Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. We are here in this sermon series that I've entitled More Like Jesus. It comes from our theme for the year as a church, which comes from Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so the idea there, of course, is we know that the good and the bad can work together for good. How? Because in the verse, next verse it says, For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. So our goal here at Bible Baptist Church is that we might be more like the Lord. That begins first with salvation. You must be born again. You must be restored in your relationship with God. You must be cleansed of all of your sin. But that's just the beginning. The illustration that God uses is that you are born again. But there's a lot more to life than just being born. <laughs> you have a lot of growing to do. And that's what God desires of us. And so we've taken a look through the Gospels over the last you know, number of weeks and months. We've taken a look at some aspects of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen his soul winning, we've seen his compassion, we've seen his service, we've seen his discipleship, and really, we could be here for a very long time just looking at the Lord, seeing what he did, how he lived, and how that we could grow to be more like the Lord. And today, we're going to finish the series taking a look at how Christ finished. Because if we will be more like Jesus, we must be finishers. Because Jesus didn't just start, he finished. Amen? Here on the cross, he says, it is finished. Jesus didn't just start the work of salvation, he finished it. He didn't just start the ministry, he finished it. He is the author and finisher of our faith. So we see that Jesus was not just a starter, he was a finisher. He would not stop nor quit until the work was done. And we must follow Christ as well in our calling all the way to the end. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. There was a battle that he had won. There was a race that he had finished. And there was a faith that he had kept. And to be more like Jesus, we too must start, we must endure, and we must finish. Being able to cross the finish line, though, is not something that we can do on our own. We need the Lord, amen? amen? If you are going to finish, and I hope that you have the desire to finish. I hope that when you think about your Christian life, I hope that when you think about the ministries that you're involved in, I hope that when you think about the relationships that you've invested into, I hope that your mindset is not just to get started, but that you're going to finish. You're going to finish whatever it is that God has called for you to do. But if we are going to finish God's calling, it must be done with God's power. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So the question we want to ask and hopefully answer today is the question, will you be a finisher? Will you be a finisher? I hope that it won't be said of us some point in our lives that we would come to the conclusion or say, I used to. Let it not be said, I used to. I used to fight. 
I used to fight for Christ. I used to fight for the church. I used to fight for God's word. I used to fight for lost souls. Let it not be said, I used to keep the faith. I used to follow God. I used to obey the Bible. I used to be involved in ministry. I used to give. I used to tithe. I used to support missionaries. I used to give out gospel invitations. I hope it won't be said, I used to. I used to run the race because anyone can start. But will we be finishers? Will we be finishers? This morning, I want to see three crucial realizations that we must have if we are going to be finishers. First of all, we see that finishing is explicitly pricey. We all who are the children of God have a calling. And if you are going to finish that calling that God has given to you, it's going to require sacrifice. No one has ever finished a marathon without paying the price. Because finishing that race is costly. We live in an era in which people promote so many things as free, right? Free shipping, free stock trading, free email. Everything is free. Only to, to, only to learn later that those things weren't free, right? The free shipping wasn't free. They just put the price into the, the item that they were selling. They promoted it as free shipping, free stock trading. Hey, you can buy stock for free. And then you realize, oh, they're taking some margin here or there and, you know, the spreads, whatever. I don't know how all of that works, but uh, they say it's free, but it's not really free. Free email, right? Remember that? Remember Hotmail, Gmail, Yahoo, free email. I remember thinking, hey, free email. I get free email. And then later on, we realized, oh, they were taking our data and they were selling it to other people. We were paying the price of our privacy and our personal data. Yes, it was free in a way, at least the way that they promoted it, but we realized it wasn't really free. They said it was free, at least, when it really wasn't. But Jesus makes it clear Following him isn't free. You're going to have to pay a price in order to follow Jesus. You're going to have to pay a cost. And finishing requires your being conscious of that cost. You're there in Luke chapter 14. In verse number 25, it says, And there went great multitudes with him. Jesus is there in his public ministry. There are huge crowds massive crowds following Jesus everywhere he goes. We've seen in, in, in passages past where Jesus got into a boat and went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And these crowds ran around the sides of the sea, dozens of miles sometimes, just to get to where Jesus is. And so we see there's massive crowds following Jesus. And he turns, the Bible says, and he said unto them. So Jesus is there, he's walking, there are huge crowds with him. He turns around and he's going to say something to them. What do you think Jesus said to the disciples, or to those that were following him, right? Do you think he said, all right, I'm going to make sure whatever it takes, I'm going to make sure that you keep on following me. Is that what he said? Do you think Jesus is the kind of person that would keep looking over his shoulder to make sure that all of his followers were still there, right? <laughs> you know, social media people check and make sure who's got how many followers. You know what Jesus said here? When he turns and he said to the huge crowds, what he said was in verse number 26. He said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. 
And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Okay? Not exactly the best way to keep a crowd following you, right? <laughs> Jesus has a huge crowd, and what he turns to them and he says is, you want to follow me? You're going to have to pay a price. You're going to have to pay a price. And Jesus made it very clear that cost was high. It was a high price that they would have to pay because it was a relational cost. He says, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, he cannot be my disciple. We won't get into it, but of course we know that God has called for us to love people, but of course we ought to love God more. And so the idea here is that, well, there, there might be some relationships that will be strained, even some very close relationships that could be broken because you continue to follow the Lord. These are not just any people. These are the people that are closest and dearest to you, family members, children, uh, uh, brothers and sisters. The cost is high personally. He says, not just for them, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For us, you know, as Christians, we, we've heard the phrase, bearing your cross, right? This is my cross to bear. We talk about the burdens that we have. We talk about all of the things that we need to do, that, it, that, that it's my responsibility to take care of. It's my burden. It's, it's my ministry in some ways. For us, bearing a cross was metaphorical, but for the disciples of Jesus, it ended up being quite literal, of those disciples, we know that all of them died the martyr's death except for John the Apostle. And even he faced great persecution as well. The cost of living for Christ might mean that you don't give, get to live your life out to the fullest of days. In verse number 33, he also mentions that the cost is high financially. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Living for Christ is going to cost you. It's going to cost you some relationships. It's going to cost you some things in your life. It's going to cost you financially. And Jesus made it very clear. You want to follow Jesus? You want to be like the Lord? You're going to have to pay a price. You're going to have to pay the cost. And we're going to have to calculate that cost. In verse number 28, he continues. After speaking to the huge crowds, he says, For which of you, intending to build a tower sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. See, God is not going to trick you into service, okay? That's not our goal here at Bible Baptist Church. We don't want to trick you into service. We want you to know, if you're going to serve God, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you financially. It's going to cost you maybe some relationships. It's going to cost you perhaps some job opportunities. It might cost you academically to follow God. It might cost you in some of these areas. And God says, I don't want you to be surprised at any of the costs that you might face following me. I'm going to tell you up front. He tells them up front and he says, you better count the cost. Count the cost. But we're talking about finishing. And God says, I don't want you to be surprised in the middle of your race at the price that you might have to pay. I'm going to tell you up front. And if we're going to finish, we have to commit despite the cost. Finishing is about commitment more than the cost. 
See, so often we think about the cost. How much is it going to cost me? It might cost me this relationship. It might cost me financially. It might cost me academically. It might cost me some job opportunity. It might cost me some of the things that I get to see other people do that I don't get to do. But finishing is not about focusing on the cost. Finishing is about commitment. It's about deciding, you know what? I know there's a cost, but I'm going to finish anyway. I know the cost is high, but I'm going to finish anyway. He says in verse number 28, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him, saying, that man began to build and was not able to finish. Notice the three times that Jesus says to finish, to finish, to finish. Finishing means counting the cost and still paying full price. Finishing is about that commitment. See, when you start running, Okay, I've had several moments in my life where I've decided, you know, for different reasons, you know, I'm going to start running. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to do these things. When you start running, you better decide where your finish line is in advance. Okay, because if you decide, I'm just going to go out running, I'm just going to see how far I make it. All right, that first day, you're going to make it to the end of the block and say, I think I'm done. (laughs) Turn around and go back. All right, I'm done for today. You know what? I experienced enough pain today. But you know what? When you're a runner, you know the pain's coming. You know it's coming. But you know what? It's not about the pain. You know those who finish, they don't think about, oh, there's pain. They all go through pain. You know what finishers do, though? They've decided, I'm going to make it a mile today. I'm going to make it two miles today. I'm going to make it three times around this block today. It's not going to feel good. It's going to be painful. I might have to slow down to a jog. I might have to slow down to a walk even, but I'm going to finish. Being a finisher is about understanding there's a cost, but being committed despite the cost. Because some Christians want a discount in their service to God, but there are no coupons in the spiritual marketplace. You want to follow God? you have to pay full price. You have to pay full price. And God makes no bones about it. He, he lets it know. He lets you know what the full price is. And if we're going to finish, we have to know there's going to be a cost. It's going to cost you. I don't want anybody here to be deceived and think that living for Christ is not going to cost me anything. That's not going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you some relationships. Some of those people that you might love very dearly and you're really good friends with them, if you really decided to live for God and share the gospel with them and told them what the Bible says, you're going to lose that relationship. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you. Some of you that are still students here today, you might be in middle school, you might be in high school, you might be in college, you might be studying somewhere. I want you to know that living for God is going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you something. You might have to decide, you know what, rather than getting into whatever college that I might get into, I'd rather live for God. I'd rather serve God. I'd rather pay that price. For those of you that are working, Making a stand for God might mean 
that you're going to face some cost in your workplace. You might have to decide, you know what, those other people, they get to work a little bit extra and get farther ahead and their manager sees all of the work that they do, but I see that they're doing the work on Sunday and I can't work on Sunday because that's the Lord's day. That's the day that I give to God. I'm not able to pay that price. I have to sacrifice that. And maybe somebody else gets a promotion ahead of you. Maybe somebody else gets a job opportunity ahead of you. There's going to be a cost. And if we're going to finish the race that God has called for us to do, we've got to be committed despite the cost. Which naturally lends the question, or we begin to ask the question, why should I pay that cost then, right? If the cost is high, if it's going to be expensive for me to live for God, why should I pay that price? Well, finishing is not only pricey, but finishing is exceedingly profitable. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7, we read the verses, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Paul says, I finished the job. I did the work that God called me to do. Henceforth, because I finished the course, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Finishing is worth the cost because it is profitable, because God rewards. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. See, we should finish and pay the price because God rewards those who finish. The profit that God gives for finishers is, is disproportionate. It is valuable and worth every spiritual penny that you might have to pay. Romans chapter 8, verse number 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 12, Jesus begins to give a parable. And he says there, he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself the kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. So Jesus gives this parable, the story of a nobleman who has 10 servants. To each of these 10 servants, he gives 10 pounds. All right? So this 10 pounds, you know, research is roughly equivalent to three months pay. Okay, three months pay. So he has 10 servants. To each of them, he gives a dollar amount of three months pay. So if we were to do that calculation right here in LA, you know, $15 per hour, minimum wage, 40 hours a week, three months, that takes us to $7,800 for three months. Okay. So let's round it up. $8,000. So he has 10 servants and he says, all right, I'm going to give you each $8,000 and I want you to do the business, do my business while I am gone. Occupy till I come. So he goes and while he is gone, these 10 servants do a bunch of different things. One of the servants we know in the time that the nobleman goes and comes back, he takes that $8,000 and doing business turns it into 
$80,000, okay? A 10x return. It's pretty good. One of the other servants, he takes the $8,000, does business, and turns it into $40,000, okay? So 5x return. Pretty good job for each of these guys. We don't know how long they were gone, but we know that he went, he came back, and he has eight, turned to 80. One turns eight into 40. They do pretty well. In verse number 16, the Bible says, Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. All right? I turned the 80 into, or eight into 80,000. And he said unto him, The nobleman says to the servant, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over 10 cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. You know what the nobleman is emphasizing? He says, You've been faithful in very little. Now, in the, we understand that if you suddenly got $8,000, pretty much everybody here will be pretty happy with that, right? We say, $8,000, I get $8,000, that's great. You know, I get to go do something, okay? Let's say you turn the $8,000 to $80,000, okay? That's a pretty good, you know, percentage return. But let's be honest, in the big scheme of things, nobody here is retiring on $80,000, right? <laughs> right? It's not enough. It's a good amount. It's nice, but it's not huge, right? It's not like anybody here is going to say, all right, I'm done working. I'm retiring. I'm quitting. I'm going to live off of $80,000. It's a nice amount, but it's not huge, right? And the nobleman comes and he says, you who turn eight to 80,000, I will reward you now with 80,000, I'm going to reward you with authority over 10 cities. You can do what you will, essentially, with these 10 cities. It's a disproportionate reward for the price, the work that was given. The profit from finishing was disproportionate. The profit from finishing was also satisfying. We took a look at this before in John chapter number 4. Jesus goes to Samaria and he meets the woman at the well, right? So we've taken a look at this. I won't go through the whole story, but you know, they, they begin to have a conversation. He begins to tell them that he is the Messiah. The woman goes back into the city in order to tell everybody. At that time, the disciples are coming out of the city, right? So they've been traveling a long time. The disciples go into the city to buy food. They come out, they offer the food to Jesus, and he responds, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. What he's saying there is, it is satisfying to me. He's emphasizing the satisfaction of doing the work and finishing the work. Jesus is stating the satisfaction or the fulfillment of doing the work of the Father. In Acts chapter number 20, Paul gathers the pastors of Ephesus, he gathers the elders of Ephesus, and he speaks to them and he says about the persecution that he's facing, uh, that he's faced before and the persecution and uncertainty that he's going to face in the future. And he says, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. He's saying, 
finishing the course of God the right way gives me joy. Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So Jesus endured the shame, the persecution, the death of the cross in order to receive the joy of salvation for us, restoration in our relationship with God. It was so great was that joy that he decided, God decided, Jesus Christ decided, it was worth the price of dying on the cross, having his body to be broken and his blood to be shed so that he might receive that reward of joy. So many claim that living for God isn't worth it. You ever hear that before? It's not worth it. It wasn't worth it. I didn't think that it was worth it. They think it's not rewarding and they think that it's not fulfilling. But God's word will challenge every question who thinks that living for God is not worth it. He will ask the question, have you finished your race yet? Have you finished yet? Hey, don't decide it's not worthy yet until you're done. Hey, don't decide that, oh, it's not worth living for God until you have finished running your race. Are you at the finish line yet? Or are you still in the middle? The admonition of God is that you can never know the fullest satisfaction and fulfillment of finishing the race if you quit in the middle. So don't give up and don't quit. Don't stop until you're finished. Until we walk through those gates in heaven, don't quit. Until you're walking on the streets of gold, until you see the Lord face to face, God says, don't stop because I don't want you to miss out. And so many will miss out because they will not finish the work that God has called for them. See, finishing our course is necessary if you want the full prize. We should be willing to pay the price because finishing is exceedingly profitable. We also see regarding this profit that finishing is backloaded. See, in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1, God describes the Christian life as a race. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The thing that all of us knows about a race is that anybody can get off to a good start. But it's the finishers that get the prize. See, anybody can lead the pack in the first hundred feet of the race, but it's those who lead the pack in the last hundred feet of the race that get the gold medals. It's great to have a good start, but it's the finishers who are crowned champions. See, we saw in John chapter number four, Jesus is talking to the woman in Samaria. He begins to talk to the disciples about my meat and having the satisfaction and doing the will of God and finishing the work. He continues and he says in verse number 35, say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that true saying, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, and other men labored, and ye are entered into their labor. So Jesus uses this illustration of the harvest. You plant, you sow, you water, you reap, okay? I'm not a farmer, but I know this. You don't reap at the beginning or in the middle. You reap at the end. You know what happens to farmers? 
They pay the price at the beginning, and they receive the reward at the end. See, if you want to plant something, you've got to pay the price of the seed up front. You've got to pay the price of the soil or the fertilizer up front. You've got to pay the price of, you know, weeding and, you know, pesticides if you're going to use all of that. You've got to pay for those up front. And then you've got to pay for irrigation or water or whatever it is that you need. You've got to pay for that up front. You've got to pay for all of these things. And it is only after you have paid for all of those things and been patient all the way through to the very end that you begin to see the reward and reap the harvest at the very end. See, when you talk to people about investing, that's the decision that people are making. We just uh, exited out of uh, tax season. Hopefully you've filed your taxes <laughs> and maybe you got a return. You might get a little bit of money. You have a decision to make. What are you going to do with that money? Let's say you get 500 bucks, you get $1,000. What are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna do when you get a paycheck, right? You have two decisions to make. You could spend it now, right? I could enjoy it, I could use it, I could uh, you know, uh, buy something with it, or I could invest it, right? I'm going to sacrifice that money today in order to reap, hopefully, a bigger harvest tomorrow or next year or when I retire, right? That's, that's, the, that's the decision that you have to make. Am I going to enjoy it now or am I gonna give it up now and enjoy it later? Now, that's the thing about the stock market though is in the stock market, there are no guarantees. It might go up, it might go down. <laughs> we don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen, you don't know what's gonna happen. Now, most of the time it seems to be that it goes up but there's no guarantees. In the heavenly market, though, everything is guaranteed. Did you know that? When you invest in God, everything is guaranteed. You are guaranteed a return. See, when you hear things like there's a guaranteed return here, somebody offers you, hey, if you give me $1,000, I guarantee you I will double your money in six months, you'll say, I don't believe you, <laughs> right? I don't think you can do that. I, I know this world, it doesn't, there's no guarantees like that. But in the heavenly market, everything is guaranteed. You might have lost money in the stock market, but no one has ever lost by investing with God. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. When you run a race, you get your prize, not at the beginning, but at the end. And as, all great bless as great as all the blessings are that we might have from God in this life, the best is yet to come. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, and everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or wife or, or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold. Okay, whatever you give up, God says you're gonna get back. But he saves the best for last and shall inherit everlasting life. You know what God says? Hey, I, I wanna bless you today. I, I wanna give you some fulfillment and satisfaction in, in serving God today, but I'm saving the best for last. I'm saving the best and greatest reward. Revelation 22, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. See, today we're talking about Jesus being a finisher, not just a starter, but a finisher. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to finish the work that God has called for me to do. But if you're going to finish, if all of us are going to finish, we have to know that there's a cost 
Okay? We're not going to hide the cost. We're going to put it right up front. This is the cost. And Jesus makes it very clear all throughout the word of God, there is a cost. You might consider it to be high, but it's worth the price. It's worth the price. Thirdly and lastly, though, if we're going to be finishers, we need to know that finishing is for an excellent purpose. While the rewards of God are great, they're wonderful, finishing in the Christian walk is ultimately not really about me or what I get out of this. See, we do receive rewards for serving God and finishing our course. But finishing your race is not about being selfish and getting for myself the most that I can get out of this. See, God does speak much about all of those things. But there is a greater purpose in the Christian life than just getting rewards. Did you know that? Did you know that there is more to the Christian life than just, well, if I serve God, then I get this. If I give you this, then I get this. Now, all of that is true. But there's something even greater than that. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Why finish? Why finish? Because we have something worth fighting for. Amen? We have something worth fighting for. We have something worth finishing. We have something worth keeping. We're talking about an excellent purpose, a worthy cause for the price that we might pay in order to finish. But what could that worthy cause possibly be? The Bible makes it clear. The glorification of the Lord is a worthy cause for us to finish our race. John chapter 17, verse number four, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Jesus, the Son of God, makes it clear I have finished the work that the Father has given me to do, and in finishing the work, I have glorified God. See, Christ was there in order to glorify God, and we are here to glorify God. Romans chapter 15, verse number 6, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalms chapter 86, verse number 12, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. In order to ask the question, why should we finish the work God has given to us and, and, and follow his calling, we must realize that we are here to glorify God. And why should we glorify God? Because he is worthy. Amen. He is worthy. He is worthy because he has created all things. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. He is worthy. He is worthy because he has created all things. He is worthy because he was crucified for all of us. Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. 1 Corinthians 6 says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Why should we finish our course? Because he is worthy of us finishing our course. That's why, whether or not God gave us the rewards, whether or not we had a mansion, whether or not we got all of these things, it is worth us to finish the course because he is worthy for us to finish the course. There's a higher cause than simply 
well, there's some financial mathematical transaction. If I live for the world, then I might get this. But if I live for God, then God will give me more. That's great, and that's wonderful, and that's true. But there is a higher purpose and call and cause to us than simply, what do I get out of this? We ought not as Christians simply to think, what do I get out of this? If we're going to be more like Jesus, we ought also to think, I'm going to do this simply because he is worthy of me doing this. He is worthy of us doing this. He is worthy of our holy living. He is worthy of our giving. He is worthy of our service. He is worthy of our sacrifice. That's why we ought to finish, because he is worthy. We are simply unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. John the Baptist said of Jesus, he it is who cometh after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. The centurion who asked Jesus to heal his servant, he said, I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. See, if we're going to finish, we need to realize that he is worthy and I am not. See, we are not worthy. We are not worthy of God's rewards. We are not worthy of his mercy. We are not worthy of his grace. We are not worthy of his attention. We are not worthy of any of these things, but he is. And that's why we ought to finish. See, it's not about, oh, I, uh, do I get what I want in this life? Oh, I've had to pay a great price. That may all be true. And God's word is still true in terms of rewards in heaven and here on earth as well. All of that might be true. But disregarding even all of those things, the fact that God created us and he died on the cross to save us means that he is worthy of us finishing our course. That's why we ought to finish. We ought to finish our course because he is worthy of us finishing that course. We ought to finish our course also because of the salvation of the lost. Luke chapter 19, verse number 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We read the verse, John chapter 19, verse number 30, on the cross, Jesus said, It is finished. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because there were lost people that needed to be saved. Why should we finish our course? Because there are lost people that need to be saved. They need us to fight the good fight and to finish our course and to keep the faith. See, there's many people today that are lost that need to be saved. Amen? There's a lot of lost people that need to be saved. Tomorrow, there will be a lot of lost people that need to be saved. Next year, there will be a lot of lost people that need to be saved. Ten years from now, there will be a lot of lost people that need to be saved. 50 years from now, there will be a lot of lost people that need to be saved. Why should we finish our course? Because there are lost people that need to be saved. We also see lastly, why should we finish our course? We've got a higher calling. He is worthy. Lost people need to be saved. But also, we should put our priority on what is lasting. Not what is temporary, but on what is lasting. Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all those things shall be dissolved, 
What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Why should we live for God instead of living for this world? Because this world is going to go away, but heaven is forever. Okay? Whatever you do on this earth, it's going to go away. But what God gives you is forever. And that's why we ought to live for God. That's why we ought to finish our race. The Bible says that I have chosen you, God speaking of us, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Today, we're going to finish the series on being more like Jesus. Being more like Jesus means that we've got to finish. Maybe you've gotten off to a good start. That's great. That's wonderful. It's, it's great to see you all here today. But will I see you next year? Will I see you five years from now, ten years from now? What will our church look like years down the road? Will we have a bunch of finishers? Or will we have a bunch of people that maybe we started off okay, but we quit along the way? If we're going to finish we've got to realize that there is a cost to pay. It's not free to follow God, but it's worth the price because God will reward and we have that higher call.